Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 100, Omnipotent. So have you taken a walk yet? Have you done a spring walk during this social distancing time? This weekend in Utah, it was beautiful. I have a love-hate relationship with spring in Utah, just to be honest with you. (laughs) The blossoms are incredible with so many fragrances. When you walk by certain trees or certain bushes, it just smells yummy. There are some trees that at this point in time, they look like trees that should be in a Dr. Seuss book. And I wish I could freeze them to stay that way. They are colorful and bright and full of whimsy. The sky in Utah is remarkable. We can have the brightest, bluest skies one day. And then another day, it's a moody battle between sky and clouds. And it's just gorgeous. And the sunsets just look like colored Easter eggs with swirls of pink and purple in them. I love it. But spring can also be really cold here in Utah. My family and I, we're often the ones who don't go on away on a vacation for spring break. This time everyone got to stay. But anyways, we're usually the ones who are kind of left behind in the neighborhood. <laughs> and no fail. We always have cold, rainy, and kind of gloomy days during that time of year. Spring is like a tease here. It's beautiful one day where you begin to thaw and have hopes of seeing the sunshine for more days to come. And then the next day that sunshine is gone and the sweatshirt's back on and it's kind of gloomy outside. Remind you, this is a description coming from a girl who grew up in California, so take it or leave it. However, If you go on a walk on one of those sunshine days, you will fall in love. Recently, I was on a walk and I had in my mind the scripture found in Moses chapter 6 verse 63. And behold, all things have their likeness and all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above things which are on the earth and things which are in the earth and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath all things bear record of me. This scripture has always fascinated me. I wish I had more quiet time to ponder and to slow down and to examine all of God's creations because no doubt his creations would reflect him. It makes sense. And I know that there is so much that I am missing because either of ignorance or because I'm just not paying attention. Wouldn't it be a fascinating book for someone to put together, taking all of God's creations above, on, and in the earth and in the heavens and linking it all back to Christ, his attributes, his characteristics, his gospel, his workings, his mysteries. So if you're listening to this, go and write that book. I'll buy it. I just think it would be a beautiful testimony of Jesus Christ, the creator. And it was on this spring walk that I could see him and I could feel him. First, there was the sun, S-U-N. 
in the sky, which I can easily relate to the sun, S-O-N. He is the light and the life of the world, just like that fiery ball in the sky brings me light and brings life to this world that we live on. He is light and the sun is light. He is warmth and the sun is warmth. It brings so much warmth to my soul, so much good. When I feel the sunshine, I feel energized and hopeful and strong. Just like the sun, Jesus Christ makes me feel energized, hopeful, and strong. And when that sun in the sky is at the right temperature, not oppressive, but just perfect, I am at my best. Just like when I have Jesus Christ in my life, I am at my best. And then there was the breeze, the flights of air that would rush past me, making my skin tingle and awaken by its sensations. And I thought of the spirit, how it awakens me, how I can't see it, but it is there and it is real. I must first feel its presence. And just like the breeze will bring sounds from Far away to my ears, the Spirit brings messages far away from heaven to my mind and to my heart. And then I looked at the trees. They are beautiful right now with their pink and their white blossoms and the green poking out, just ready to burst. But this time, I looked past the blossoms and I noticed the branches And they were all pointing up. The arms of the trees were stretched to heaven as if they were praising their creator. Their trunks were strong and immovable, planted on solid ground with their roots, keeping them planted there and standing straight. And their arms reached up to God. And the reward for their praising him was the blossoms of beauty and joy that was popping out all over those outstretched arms. Their nature is changing right before our eyes. They are awakening from their dormant state and being helped to be born again. The joy that these trees will bring to other creatures of God, their awakened state will house life give protection from the elements, shade to the oppressed, and those strong branches, they'll even allow children to be able to hang on as they strive to climb and reach the sky. Are we not like trees? On my walk, I passed by a stone wall, and I was reminded of the symbolism of stones. A long time ago, my curiosity was spiked when I listened to a rabbi named Daniel Lapham who talked about old Jewish wisdom that has been passed down about the sacredness of stones. Altars to God were made of stones, not of bricks. Stones are made from God. They are unique and they're beautiful. And when they're placed together, they just, they create a texture and a pattern that just works and brings beauty in the imperfectness of all the shapes and the colors. It makes it all work together. Bricks, on the other hand, they're man-made, and they are all the same. The same size, the same shape, the same color. There's no uniqueness. It's just standard. Now, personally, I like the sleekness of structures that are made out of brick, so I'm not criticizing brick. But on my walk today, 
I saw the beauty to be found in a stone wall, the strength that the stones together provide, how we as individuals and unique stones in and of ourselves, when we come together, we are strong, we protect, and we can defend from outside intrusions. Then I looked down and I realized that I was on a path. Sure, it was a man-made sidewalk, but it was a path. And with my agency, I can choose to go wherever I want. But I knew the path that I was on was taking me home. There were stop signs along the way that gave me enough time to pause and to reconsider and make my choice about my journey. Was home where I really wanted to go? Or would I rather take a detour? If I choose another way, where would it take me? Would it be safe? Would I find my way back? Did I have enough endurance (laughs) to be able to get back? And did I have enough time? And as I considered these questions, I could see how each of these questions were related to our journey back to our heavenly home. The path I'm on, I believe, is taking me there. But thank goodness for stop signs that life gives me so that I can reevaluate and check whether or not I'm still facing home. Everything in life and in the scriptures, if we look hard enough to see it, are signs, wonders, types, and shadows of the workings of Jesus Christ. And this was one of the messages that an angel of God who appeared to King Benjamin desired Benjamin to tell the Nephites. In Mosiah 3, Benjamin tells his people that he had been visited by an angel. The angel actually woke Benjamin up from his sleep and stood before him. And why was King Benjamin able to have such a marvelous experience? The scriptures say that the angel told Benjamin that the Lord had heard Benjamin's prayers and that the Lord had judged Benjamin's righteousness and chose to send the angel to tell him to rejoice and that Benjamin was also to tell the people to be filled with joy. Now, just quickly, I want to point out what a sweet moment this was for Benjamin to experience, for a heavenly messenger to be sent to you to say, that the Lord has heard your prayers and he has found you righteous. Some of us may wish that we could have such an experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're having more of those than we actually realize. The tender mercies of the Lord, the things that you consider maybe to be coincidental, aren't. But they are of the Lord, giving you comfort because of your righteousness Sending that person to reach out to you because the Lord had heard the prayer of your heart and he had judged your righteousness. We need to better see these messengers or these experiences in our life as our angels, especially when it's people who have made covenants with God and are acting on impressions that they are receiving. Is this not the work of the ministering of angels? King Benjamin through commandment, but I think also because he was the sort of guy who wouldn't desire to keep such magnificent teachings to himself. He gathered his people to teach them what the angel had taught him. 
And that was about the nature of Jesus Christ. King Benjamin would teach the people concerning that which is to come. According to the angel, it would not be far distant that with power the Lord Omnipotent would come among the children of men. Now, a couple things about the nature of God here. First, his timing. According to the timelines given in the Book of Mormon, King Benjamin was addressing the people 124 years before the coming of Christ. Yet the angels said the Lord's coming would not be far distant. To our timing, that might feel like an eternity, but to the Lord's, this was exactly true. It wasn't very far at all. The Lord, he doesn't spring things upon his people, but he gives them ample time to get things in order. Sometimes, oftentimes, he gives them generations to get things in order, which in this case, he's given a few generations to prepare for his coming. Can you see the mercy in this? The mercy that comes by not having a God who rushes into things, but allows everyone to have time to redirect and to prepare. And second, the second thing I want to point out is the word omnipotent that's used here. This isn't a word used very often at all in our scriptures. Other words like almighty are most often used, but not omnipotent. That makes Benjamin unique. So maybe some Book of Mormon trivia for you. But both words mean the same. The Lord Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He is the Almighty God who will come again with power and great glory. He has all power given unto him in heaven and in earth. He has the power to forgive. He has the power to make all things. And he has power over all flesh. He can strengthen us with the might that we need in order to be able to do hard things like be patient or long-suffering or be joyful, just like Him. His glorious power can help us do all of that. He is the power that will bring us unto salvation, and He will eventually deliver up the kingdom to God. Because He will do this with His power, it goes to say that His power is supreme, and even Satan will not be able to withstand it. All things are subject unto him. They obey him, for all things are his creation. That means the heavens, the worlds in the heavens, and all things on and in the world. He is the light of the sun, and it was by his power that the sun was even made. That magnificent ball of fire in the sky that keeps us surviving was made by Jesus Christ, even by his word like all of his creations were. He has all power to make things alive. He knoweth all things and has power according to wisdom, to mercy, to truth, to justice, and therefore to judgment. Whatever he says, he will do. He can. He has the ability to do it because he is the Almighty. He is omnipotent. According to the angel, Benjamin taught that the same all-powerful Jesus will come among the children of men and dwell in a tabernacle of clay, a mortal body, just like you and I have. 
And he will go forth amongst men, working mighty miracles such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of diseases. Can you picture the nature that a man would need to possess and to desire to do all of this? The degree of love and compassion, the awareness he would need, and the courage he would need. The Lord has all of that. Can you appreciate the humility that would be required for he who is the Almighty, the Omnipotent, to come down and to subject himself to mortality, to subject himself to an immortal body, to subject himself to an imperfect body, perhaps, to emotions, to temptations, to fears and loneliness and discouragement. He who has power over the flesh will suffer pain. He'll suffer hunger and thirst and fatigue. Can you imagine the long-suffering required for him to put up with that body? For the Almighty who knew his mission and I'm sure felt the need to be busily engaged doing good among all the children of men, using his time to the best he could. But yet, he needed to rest. He needed to sleep. He needed to take time to think about food and the workings and the needs of this body he was in. One of my biggest frustrations is that my spirit desires so badly to run faster, and to do more than my physical body or circumstances in mortality allow me to. I once worked with a psychologist who worked incredibly hard. One day he said to me the only complaint that he had that he was waiting to talk to God about was about the human body's need to sleep. He couldn't escape it. He had tried. He would often pull all-nighters. And he longed to be able to have those hours back that his body needed to rest. When we understand that Jesus humbly submitted himself to all of this, after all he had accomplished even prior to even being born, well, it causes me to love him even more. Especially when all he did on this earth was to point everyone back, not to him, but to God the Father. In no way was he like Lucifer that desired all the glory to be his if he was to subject himself to the same role. Benjamin tells us that his name will be Jesus Christ. We learned from Jacob that his name would be Christ. And now from Benjamin, we know it will be Jesus Christ. And he is the Son of God the Father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, and his mother shall be called Mary. Nephi alluded to the Savior's mother when he received his vision of the tree of life. But now we know her name. It will be Mary. And through the angel, we are given another opportunity to internalize that The entire reason for the Lord's life and suffering and death, atonement, and resurrection, the whole reason why he came unto the children of men was to bring us unto salvation, even through faith 
on his name. Yet by these men that he came among, there will be those who will say he has a devil, and they will scourge him and they will crucify him. And because he is all-powerful, because he is the Almighty and the Omnipotent, he will rise on the third day. And because he submitted himself to all of that, he will be able to judge righteously the children of men. Now, no doubt there is a more sophisticated reason to this testimony that we find in verse 10 in Mosiah 3. But what comes to my mind is the nature that Jesus Christ would need to possess in order to be able to submit himself to all that he did, despite the righteous and glorious acts that he had performed during his life. He went through all of that just so that he could know our experience, so that he would know what it's like to have a body, to be separated from God, to be tempted and to have to choose, to hurt and to be in anguish, and to know that every part of us still just longs and desires to feel joy. And that's what we're looking for. He is the kind of judge that walks the walk and he talks the talk. He's been there before. He knows what it's like where you stand, and only he who has done that could ever judge us righteously. His life was lived for us so that you and I might live forever. All that he requires from you and I is that we believe. Believe that he will come. Believe this so that you can receive a remission of your sins, so that you can rejoice, so that you can have joy. Benjamin promised the people that they could experience this joy. They could experience it now, even before Jesus had even come. That is the degree of power that he has over his creations, that his creations could benefit and partake of his sacrifice and all that he would accomplish even before it was accomplished. Those who came before him were not forsaken or left lingering just because of the timing of their life. Because as the angel witnessed and Benjamin then passed on, there is no other name given, nor any other way, nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men. Only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. That is why everything points back to him. It's because he is everything. Many signs and wonders, types and shadows have been given to God's children regarding the coming of Jesus Christ. Even the law of Moses was given not to save the people, but to point them back to Christ, to prepare them for his coming and for his atonement, which did have the power to save them. The Lord has always provided these signs, wonders, types, and shadows. Since the beginning of time, there has always been symbolism and purpose found in all of his teachings and workings among the children of men. He is a focused, ever-teaching, tireless, and purposeful God that never has or will lose sight of what his or what our purpose is. Whether It be the sacrificial lamb, the firstborn of the flock, with no blemish or broken bone that's selected to spill its blood, just as Jesus Christ, God's firstborn, with no blemish and no broken bones, spilt his blood. 
the blood of those special lambs, which was spread upon the door frames during the Passover, rescued the Israelites from the destroying angel who was taking the lives of all the firstborns there in Egypt. And just like Jesus Christ's blood, if we partake of his atonement, will protect us from the destroying adversary and from spiritual death. Or think about the brass serpent that Moses lifted up for the people. If they were bitten by the fiery serpent, all they needed to do was look at the brass serpent and they would be healed. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? We need to have faith on his name first so we can look, so that we can live. Only through him can we be healed from the stains of sin and transgression. And speaking of Moses, whose entire ministry appears to be a type of Jesus Christ, Moses was the deliverer of the people of Israel, just like Jesus is the spiritual deliverer for all of us. The man who led the people to the promised land, just like Jesus leads us back to the promises of God in the land of heaven. There are so many examples concerning Moses, whether it be the the rock that he hit and water came forth, and Jesus is the living water, or the manna from heaven, and Jesus is the bread of life. Take our baptism, for example, and the symbolism that is Jesus Christ as we go down into the water, just as Jesus laid down his life. And then we are raised back up again, just like he was raised again, resurrected, and we are made clean and new through our baptism. Then there's Abraham, remember, who was commanded to sacrifice his only son, how he painfully went through the motions right up until the last moment when an angel of God stopped him and then lovingly praised him for his obedience to the Lord, and then promised him posterity and heavenly blessings. Does this not sound like Father, who sacrificed his only begotten Son, and because of this sacrifice, promises are made to us, that all that the Father hath can be ours if we accept his Son and have faith on his Son. All things testify of Christ. And I encourage you this week to look for it. Spring is such a beautiful time to see the Lord in our lives. It is His season, don't you think? It is the season of renewal, rebirth, and life springs up everywhere. Go to sisterscriptorians.com and download the Ponder Prompt for this episode. Use it to take notes of everything that you notice that testifies of Christ, His nature, and his gospel. I ask you to gratefully see him in the workings of your life. I know life can be glum sometimes, especially right now, but you have the power to change that when you look to see his signs, wonders, types, and his shadows in your life. Sister Scriptorians, I challenge you this week to see the teachings of Jesus Christ in all of his creations. All things bear record of him, both temporal and spiritual, things in the heavens and things on, in, and under the earth. Look for them and enjoy the joy and love that the Spirit will fill your heart up with when you learn to see Jesus all around you.